Welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid, where we look back at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix with a little more attention to detail than Daniel Ricciardo looks back in his rearview mirrors. <laughs> smooth, smooth. I am your smooth. host this week, Tom King. And I am joined, as always, by Chris Evans. <laughs> that was very good. Thanks. Second time lucky. <laughs> and uh, also by Stu Greenwood. Hello. <laughs> How are we both after what was a... Actually, not as eventful race as we'd hoped for. I'd probably sum it up. Not exactly, mm. no. No, not a great race. Um, uh, just on the intro, just there, I was, I was, I didn't know what your joke was going to be. I thought your joke was going to be "Welcome to Baku the Grid" or something like that. That's that would. That's been. also quite good. Yeah, it's not terrible, yeah. is it? <laughs> I just came up with that one. <laughs> you've got, you've got to find where to use Baku in interesting ways, at least, haven't you? Absolutely, got to. Got to. The weekend did start in an eventful way, and we thought it might be a sign of things to come. And I'm going to go straight to it, which is the drink of a disaster, as it's been labelled. <laughs> Essentially, what happened for those that didn't see the incident in full, Charles Leclerc drew over a drain cover, which kind of almost loosened it slightly. But then moments later, George Russell came over straight over the top of the same drain cover sucked it out of the drain itself and basically destroyed the complete underside of his Williams. And it ended P1 uh, because there was just no way of continuing without going around and checking all the drain covers. And then a crane decided to destroy itself on a bridge (laughs) and (laughs) uh, leak oil all over Russell's car just to add to the situation. So... That was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a bit of a comedy of uh, of errors. From, well, yeah. the, the whoops moment from the driver anyway. Not 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 from George, but from, you know, the, the crane driver. <laughs> popping his head out to see what just happened. Low loader, yeah, popping his head out. What just happened? What did I just hit? <laughs> How much damage have I just done to that millions of millions of pound Formula 1 car on the back yeah, of my right. bed? And that's the thing. It, 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 was, it was a comedy of errors, but... Williams definitely weren't laughing because of all the teams for it to happen to, like they just can't afford to be losing parts like that. It's yeah. they're Plus already the- massively behind on their development and building and stuff. And that like that car was destroyed. Like when they lifted it up, you could just see like wires and bits of electronics and stuff just hanging out the bottom of the car. Yeah. It looked like some stuff it- robot wars. It must have hurt. <laughs> it must have hurt George as well. He must have felt that. Oh, you've got to have felt that. Yeah, they're heavy things. Yeah, and he he got it right. Like the tea tray hit it was the first point of impact. Mm. So like it's lucky that they're as strong as they are because if that had gone through there, oof, that would be <sighs> nasty. Uh, yeah, that'd be quite a long spell in hospital. I would have thought. That'd be a bit sore. Yeah. The I mean the drain cover thing. It's happened from time to time. There was Grosjean a couple of years ago in Malaysia. Was it went over a drain cover and. Yeah, the the, it was yeah. the rain drain down the side of the curb, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, and I feel like it happened to Massa maybe at Monaco a few years ago. Like that happened. Happened to JB as well. Destroyed yeah. the front of the front. It destroyed the front wing of one of the McLarens that Jensen was in at the time. Yeah, but the crane thing. There's just no excuse for that. That was insane. That's not just oh, it's one of these things that happens. That is like, like I remember joking last year that all the recovery trucks 
in Baku look like they've come from the local scrapyard. And they were like picking up cars like they were on the local scrap card as well. Like it was such a mess. I think it was in practice two, I want to say, when one of the Force Indias had to get picked up and taken back to the pits. They put it on the back of a truck that hadn't got a crane with like a stationary crane and then pulled up outside the garage and went, there you go, there's your car. To which all the Force Indian mechanics went, how do you expect us to get that off the back of your really? loader? Yeah. yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, at which point they had to sheepishly drive up to the opposite end of the pit lane where there was a crane that could take it off the low loader. Oh, you're kidding. And then the nope. mechanics ran all the way up the pit lane with hoist for it to roll it back down and again. Roll the car. Oh my yeah. goodness. That's a shambles. Absolute joke, isn't it? Absolute yeah. shambles. I think as much as we've sort of had a bit of a laugh about some of the things that have gone on over the weekend, I do think some of the marshalling for Baku maybe needs looking at because it wasn't it, there was great, a was multiple incidents that you were kind of thinking what's going on here in in the f2 as well there was weird stuff going on in the f2 mm. well it was last year i think when i can't remember if it was f1 or f2 last year when it went green again after like a virtual safety car or something and there was still a bloke running down the track towards turn four and i had to quickly stick virtual safety car on again like it seemed <laughs> these things seem to happen a lot there i really think it needs looking at for the future i'm sure they are it's yeah. generally a bit of a shambles. Just amateur hour. Yes. Yeah. To do things a little bit differently this week, just because of the way that this flows, I'm going to sort of start discussing Leclerc's weekend because he sort of it all flows bit to bit through <laughs> throughout from one point where it all begins to yeah. to where it ends effectively. So I think the easiest yeah, thing to do it. is kind of go through that and then sort of come back to other bits that happened through the race, stuff yeah, like that. I think that's the best way. I think that's the best way. So what happened is during Q2, Leclerc had been looking quick for the most part of uh, Saturday and he then binned it into turn eight, I want to say it is, which is the left on the way up past the castle. Make sure you get that one right, Tom. You don't want someone uh, tweeting at us with some diagrams, do we? I don't care. Bring it. <laughs> double, shall we double check that? I'm going to fact check Bring you it. right now, my friend. You um, fact check me. Baku. <laughs> I'm standing with Tom here. I'm 90% certain that is City turn eight. Circuit. <laughs> Map. Live fact check. It's a soft Google. Boom, a soft Google. <laughs> um, let me just do a soft Google on that. It is turn eight, yes. The the left-hander is turn eight, the right-hander is turn nine, the next left is turn ten, and the next right, when it opens is up it again, 11? is turn 11. Imagine Isn't that. Isn't there a left after that? There may be 12. <laughs> That's correct, yes. You know the map. And well so done. on and so forth. <laughs> uh, what I will do, just for those who, who, are da- who have any doubt, I'll put a diagram of this on Twitter and we'll put a circle around the corner we're talking about. <laughs> and something saying Tom was right. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> so continuing on, <laughs> there's a sort of a, a theory that maybe part of the reason for it was that he was trying to warm up mediums uh, because they were going for a bit of an off-the-cuff strategy. A very similar incident to one that Kubica had had earlier in the session, but it basically led to Leclerc being in um, the top 10 by the start of the race because of the way things panned out, but on brand new mediums. So it was a bit of an odd scenario for him to find himself in in terms of the start of the race, would you say? Yeah, it's because basically Ferrari successfully argued that 
the tyres that he finished Q2 on were not race-worthy, in which, which is the only situation where you get new tyres for the start of the race. Can I just... Sorry, just so I'm clear. So, like, what you're saying there is the tyres that he set his fastest lap on in Q2 are the very same tyres that he crashed in. He was wearing those tyres when he crashed. Yes. So, in theory, he should have started the race on the tyres he crashed, but... But they were roadworthy. Ferrari obviously said these can't be raced, so yeah, yeah. The FYA allowed him to have a fresh set of mediums, but he had to be mediums because they were the compound that he set the lap on. Yeah, yeah. which is fine. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you're not going to expect him to start the race on. Well, I'd imagine his front right was probably flat, and the others were probably horrifically flat spotted. Yeah, so. down to the canvas, yeah. I'd have thought. Yeah, yeah, and covered in oil as well. Mm. And yeah, and the the thing is, the the time that he set in Q two was fast enough to put him in Q three. So it's yeah, he wasn't in a position. He wasn't in a position to run in Q three, but he'd obviously gone through in the in the top ten. So it was a yeah weird scenario, which meant he had to keep those tires, or he should yeah. have had to keep those tires without the crash. Without the crash, he'd still have been starting on mediums. Yeah, we're deep into tire talk early on this week. <laughs> so fine. I can live with that kind of tire talk. I can live with. I that. think he's. Tire talk is like the story of Leclerc's weekend, though, because even if he hadn't crashed, I don't understand why Ferrari had him on the mediums in Q2. Like, everyone else, all the other front runners were all in Q2 on the softs because that's what they wanted to start the race on. And I don't know what Ferrari saw to make them think that was the right strategy. Vettel had the mediums on as well. Fell started on softs, didn't he? Yeah, but the start of Q2, his first lap that he set was on the mediums. Interesting. They were try- What they were trying to do was do a banker on those, I think, in case something happened Yeah, and meant that they couldn't set that. They were expecting someone to crash, but unfortunately <laughs> for them, their own driver crashed. Yeah. I, I think that it, there is a sort of a legitimate race strategy in there, but I wouldn't have thought that starting... Like it in my head is what I'm thinking is that it plays into the hands of a safety car, like a later on safety car, and getting in under that safety car to get off those slower mediums and onto the faster softs is how I think mm. they maybe saw it playing out in their heads. Yeah. Well, I'm but, saying I'm saying that they're expecting to see someone crash in qualifying. They were worried that someone might crash in qualifying. So it's like if we can if we set a lap on these medium tires now. And it transpires that nobody can set a lap on softs because there's a chance that someone might have an accident. So there is a strategic logic to setting your first lap that you go out on on those medium tires if you're driving yeah. one of the faster cars and then going for your next lap on a softer set. But I think they thought Leclerc was quick enough that he could get through on the medium and then just do a really long stint at the start of the race from the front, which would have worked. That's, that's the thing. I get what you're saying. But even then, like, if you're knowing how quick he had been all weekend, just send him out at the start on softs, do one lap. It'll probably be enough to get through. And you don't even have to faff around with the second run. Mm. Um, just, just they, they clearly thought that starting on the medium tire was a good idea because, uh, I don't know, like if you look at all, the only other people that started on mediums were Grosjean, who qualified horribly, uh, Russell, who was obviously near the back, yeah. Uh, Kubica and Gasly, who both Gasly, started yeah. from the pit lane. Yeah. So you can understand why they're going to do something different, 
hope for a safety yeah. car, bring it back into the race. But for the guy who's been fastest in all three practice sessions by like a chunk, <laughs> I just don't get what it's, they were doing. It's, it's just classic Ferrari strategy, isn't it? It's it is. <laughs> yeah. Here's here here are the two options. Here's one under the banner correct. Here's another one under the banner incorrect. Which one shall we go for? Oh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's it just. I, I hate to, to say it, but it's it kind of feels like exactly what they used to do with Raikkonen, which is stick one of their drivers on a strategy that's not going to help themselves, but it's potentially going to benefit the other driver. And I don't want to believe yeah. that's what they were trying to do, given that Leclerc mm. had been the faster of their two drivers. But and uh, let, can I just get my tinfoil hat out? <laughs> Go for it. Oh, here we go. There it is. I found it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think you, uh, yeah, you you might be right. Um, I don't want to be. That's the problem. <laughs> it's, it's it does smack of that. They definitely. I mean, you do get the, the number two driver at Ferrari does get a really raw deal from from the look of it. Yeah, from the last few seasons and even in the past, like you know, uh, Alonso is faster than you being the radio message, yeah. and they weren't even yeah. trying to hide it. And that was when team orders were banned. Um, exactly yeah they they have previous yeah so yeah i mean it's it'd be a crying shame if that was the truth i think it would and i mean and of course the problem with that strategy is you're committing yourself to a one stop from the start which means they just ended up having to string that set of mediums out as long as they could because they Mm. didn't really trust how long the softs were going to last whereas like um russell and i think I think both the Williams ended up two-stopping. Gasly was looking like he would have two-stopped had he seen the end of the race. Um, but they were kind of stuck halfway to nowhere. Yeah. Whichever way around you did it, that was kind of where you needed to be at, I think, wasn't it, realistically? The quickest way around, anyway, it seemed to be doing it yeah. like that. What, a two-stop or a one-stop? A two-stop. But, but didn't they all... Most of them only stopped once. Most of them one-stopped, yeah. But... It was a one-stop with a very sketchy end to the first, um, the first stint. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. right. I see. So yeah, yeah. Well, you're you're the old-fashioned way of doing it would be to stop twice and just push the whole for the race. Yeah, the I think race. I think the thing that stopped most people doing it is the fact that the pit lane deficit to me is probably one of the worst there because of yeah. the way that it's positioned in the lap. Like that's an extremely long straight with extremely high top speed yeah. that you're having to duck out of for a pit stop. So although logically it would say two stop, which is what some of them were looking at, the deficit of not being on that straight for as, as long as you are at pit lane speed is yeah. probably detrimental enough to mean that stringing out yeah. some extra laps on tyres that are on the way out is actually the better thing to be doing, mm. which is why some of them will have done that, I guess. Yeah, it, well, in, in lap time, it costs at Baku circa 20 seconds is the as a rule of thumb. But I get what you I suppose it is easier to lose track position if the cars are going much, much faster than they normally would past the pit lane. Mm. Yeah. It oh, definitely feels like a longer that. loss than most tracks there. Mm. I guess it is for that reason. Yeah. But even then, like we're kind of jumping ahead of it here, but even all that being said, they then just left him out there for everyone to overtake him and then left him out there a bit longer and then pitted him. It's like surely at the point where you're on the alternate strategy, you're in, in the lead of the race, try you like give it a go. Like get in and stick the softs on and see if you can string them out a bit. Like don't just 
sit there and wait for the inevitable to happen. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Just everything about it just felt almost like admitting defeat from the start, didn't it? Do you not think that ultimately ending up on the mediums after mistakes in qualifying should have benefited Leclerc more than it possibly did? Possibly. I mean, he seemed to take a lot out of his mediums early on. Yeah. Which may be, maybe without being quite so quick on them so early, he could have... uh, being quicker towards the end of that first stint. But then, of course, starting where he was, he was always going to be in traffic, having to make overtakes, which is no good for your tyres. So I'm not sure how much more he could have done, really. The thing I was going to say was that they sort of, as soon as they pitted him, they'd already given up anyway. Like, you saw how quick his fastest lap was. His fastest lap was like a second and a half quicker than what anyone had done previous to him. Before on the like they were all setting like one forty four fours, one forty four threes, and he goes in with a one forty three dead right at the end of the race. Um and for that whole stint he did on the set of tires that he had before that, it was just it was it was as slow as that like, it was as, as what he was on the medium compound tire. Like they'd already yeah. know they knew at that point that there's no point pushing really hard. Let's just drive it to the end and not risk binning it again because we, do, we simply do not have the pace at this point to to catch them. Yeah, you're probably right, actually. Is, at that point, does it become... Well, it, it felt a lot like he got to a certain point in the race where it was like, let's just leave him there, hold up the Mercedes in the hope that it brings Vettel a bit more into play, which it for a short time, it looked like that was working. Like Vettel did have a stint of really getting up on the back of Hamilton, but it never really yeah. came to anything. Well, once yeah. the Mercedes started racing each other, they sort of ran away from Vettel, didn't they? Yeah. But I guess we'll get to that, will we? Yeah, well, ultimately, like I think that the only thing Charles could take out of that is with not being able to close the, the top four, the only thing he could get out of it is what they did in the end, which is why he made that second stop, isn't it? And that's the fastest lap. Yeah. yeah. Like, it was a good lap. It was. Um, helped with a little bit of toe down the start-finish straight. Yeah, but yeah. But yeah. that, that wasn't a purple sector, you know. That final no, uh, that final sector wasn't wasn't quite a purple sector. These other two were it drew in the grip in the grip zones. <laughs> he I almost guess. caught the toe a bit too early, didn't he? I think. Yeah, just a yeah. teeny tiny bit. He had to come out of it just before he got to the DRS zone. And you can, if you listen to the lap as well, the uh, the Formula One DHL fastest lap. Everybody, <laughs> uh, if you go on the Formula One website and and watch that video. You can actually hear at the end of the lap, like the revs go up as he opens his DRS. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite cool. I quite like that about this track that like you can really you can get those little clues about what the engine's doing from from the audio in the uh, mm. in the feed. It was yeah. fascinating as well watching on the onboards how the speed dipped back down again as soon as they got out of the slipstream of other cars. Yeah, yeah, fascinating stuff. Something else in the race um, that sparked sort of bizarre feedback was the incident between Ricardo and Danny Kvyat. Mm. To sum that up in a few words <laughs> would probably be Ricardo overshoots braking, reverses into Kvyat. <laughs> <laughs> torpedo yeah. is torpedoed. <laughs> he was a bit silly, wasn't he? Yeah, you could, you could say that. He was a bit sheepish afterwards, actually, Ricardo. It was, yeah. I kind of feel for him a little bit. You know, because I think that they were racing and they they kind of both outbreak themselves. I felt like leading into that runoff area. Yeah, I think either of them were 
on their own were not going to make that yeah, corner. Yeah, yeah, neither of them would have made that corner. <laughs> like they were just they both outbreak themselves and unfortunately you cannot see I feel I really feel for Ricardo because yeah it looks on camera it looks like a really really stupid mistake to make but you got to remember you can't see anything behind you in a Formula 1 car really the mirrors have got massive blind spots either side of them and he was right yeah it's true it's unfortunate it is Um, I think as well the the initial mistake that led to them both diving too deep in the corner anyway that Renault did not look good on the brakes in those corners all weekend Um, both him and Hulkenberg all weekend were having issues locking up and so many times it cut to them and you just heard the tyres literally screaming for life (laughs) because they were completely locked going into those high braking zones Um, yeah whether it's something to do with the way they had the brakes set up or something else on the car, but it just seemed very clear to me that both of them were struggling in that respect. Um, as well as Grosjean. Grosjean was another one that didn't seem to get a feel for them this weekend. Yeah, they were... Well, I mean, Haas just looked nowhere in all respects, really, all weekend, did they? Braking was definitely an issue. I think the, the biggest issue that it was, it was like we discussed last week, it's a tyre issue, because the gauge is lower on these tyres and you know, like we mentioned last week, the balance of the front and rear. So you're not generating as much downforce at the front. So you can't get the temperature into the front tires like you could the old tire and, yeah. and the old front wings last year. So that combination of factors and the fact that there's so many long straights on this track, it's not a very, it, do, it doesn't put a lot of heat in the tires because you're not flowing through lots and lots of corners at high speed. Yeah. It's all like low speed corners and long straights. It means that Obviously, if your tyres are not up to temperature, you're just going to be skidding left, right and centre. And that was the thing that the Mercedes had. They seemed to be able to find the window for the tyre, whereas most of the other teams really struggled to get it in that window, especially after the virtual safety car. Yeah, and speaking of the virtual safety car as well, Max was another one that had a lot of issues after that. He thought he was capable of closing down on the, the podium positions, but he was saying after the virtual safety car, he lost temperature in the medium tires and then never really found a way to get it back once he'd lost it. And you actually Mm. saw that a little from some of the footage. If you watch it um, from off board, you can see the back end kicking out a lot as he's trying to get on the power out of corners in that last stint after the virtual safety car. Yeah. It was turn seven was the big one. He had a real, he had a bit of a tank slapper, didn't he? Through turn seven, the turn before turn eight. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be highlighting it, that one on the map as well is that the one after six it is yes uh, yeah, that's right. yeah I know which one you mean um, just quickly before we move on from that as well Ricardo has officially been handed a three place grid penalty for Barcelona as a consequence of his reversing misdemeanor mm. so if people weren't aware of that that is a thing that's unfortunate. The other thing, the only other thing I'll say about it as well is that I think Ricardo had been there. That both both cars have been there long enough now. Ricardo did leave time for Kvyat to have disappeared. He left quite a long gap before he started reversing. So I think he was assuming that because he couldn't see him, that he'd, he'd gone. gone. Yeah, and obviously uh, there's another radio message that I heard today that um, Kvyat. Um, said he couldn't find reverse gear, couldn't get it in reverse. Yeah, he was struggling, wasn't he? I, I've heard the same yeah. one where he, he, was, he was trying to put it in reverse and it didn't seem to be going. Yeah. Um, but to be fair to Danny Rick, I guess, he might not have realised that 
Kvyat had had to stop behind him at all, you know, full stop. Because yeah, I, I heard somebody saying that where he was positioned, that naturally is potentially using his his right hand side mirror to look at who's coming down the straight behind him as yeah. to whether he's, he's able to back out. And mm, Kvyat's definitely not going to be on that side because he was on the other side of the car. So yeah, I guess there's a it, yeah, you're right. It, it, you're it looks right. like it looks foolish, and I guess you would say, "Well, check the other side as well before you reverse." Like that's yeah. what you'd say to any other motorist on the road. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would. I, I wouldn't be so harsh on him. I think in, yeah. in the sort of situation that they're in, when you've got cars like you've got cars coming down at a very, very high speed, your eyes are definitely on stocks looking for the ones coming at you at two hundred exactly. miles an hour more than they are yeah. the stationary potential of a stationary vehicle that you could back into at ten miles an hour. So yeah, I think. It's just, a, it's, I don't know how harsh the penalty, maybe he could have been a bit more careful and maybe the penalty is fair. On, on paper, that is the penalty causing a collision and, and, you know, that you don't need to, that doesn't need to be caused. It's a free yeah. place penalty for the next race. So yeah. it's just one of those things, isn't it? It's sad, but yeah. them's the rules. Speaking of rules and penalties, that segues us nicely into Pierre Gasly's weekend. Hmm. <laughs> a giant culmination of penalties. <laughs> that's, that's the only way to describe yeah. his weekend. So, do you do you know how many minus points he got on um, Formula One's uh, fantasy league? Oh, I dread to it think. It cannot be good. I have not you, checked. But it cannot if, be good. <laughs> if you had him as a turbo, it'd be over forty points. <laughs> oh, those as, as a minus score, yeah, it is absolutely Ooh, savage. Rough. I'm glad he's not in my team. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yep. So it all began with the Weybridge. That was in FP2, wasn't it, uh, that that began? So that was Friday afternoon. Uh, he missed the Weybridge when he was being reported in for it, went to the pit box, and the car was then worked on, which caused him to have that time deleted. No, sorry, he was excluded, wasn't he? And told yeah. that he would have to start from the pit lane because of that, uh, which was... Harsh, would some say, do you think? It's, it does feel harsh, but again, it's one of those rules, rules thing. The rule book says if you do that, that's what the penalty is. So, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, the, even the stewards said that they felt it was a harsh penalty, but they had mm. to, they had <laughs> hands to are tied, I guess. issue it. Yeah, their hands were tied, again, because rules is rules. A little bit of insight that I caught from coverage into this, um, for those that might not have seen it, is one of the reasons that the penalty may seem harsh is that initially I was thinking, well, surely if this was a quality session, yes, but in practice it seems harsh. But the actual rules do state that if for any reason quality yeah. does not occur, it goes back to practice times. So if something like what happened in FP1 happened... Oh, yeah, of course. And, they, you know, there was a reason that FP3 and, F, uh, and quality didn't occur they would have to go back to FP two times. And mm. in yes, it's highly unlikely, but because yeah. of the way the countback works, that's why a penalty like that has to be treated just as harshly in free practice as it does in Q3. And you, it you, works the same across the board. You saw the entertaining debate between Crofty and um, Christian Horner, didn't you? I did indeed. <laughs> where, where, where Christian was, he, Christian really laid into him, I thought. That was kind of like, Horner must have been, well, I mean, to be fair, Horner gave plenty, uh, uh, Crofty gave plenty back to Horner, but like, it, it got quite heated <laughs> like it was for a live broadcast. Like, Debate between those two sounds like the least exciting thing as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> no, like, 
it, it got pretty got pretty salty. Like um, Horner told him to leave the uh, leave the these kind of calculations to the professionals or words to that effect. <laughs> it wasn't like those exactly. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was quite. I, I entertained me. They are two people who don't like to be wrong. That's yeah. very true. <laughs> very true. So yeah, that that is where that left him. Um, he changed the gearbox as part of that because well, you signed from the pit lane. Why not take yeah, the five place grid penalty? Yeah. What are you going to do? Start five places further back in the pit lane? Then again, <laughs> with the number of cars in there this weekend, that's yeah, entirely actually. plausible, isn't it? <laughs> At the back of that train. Um, and there was another one as well, which was being excluded from the qualifying he did partake in uh, for exceeding fuel flow limits. And it, Really? Yeah. Um, so he went out during qualifying because he was eligible to do so, regardless of the fact that he'd got the penalties. He was eligible to go set times. Technically, he probably needed to to meet the 107% rule to be deemed fit to race. I'd, I'd have thought that he'd have passed that from practice times, but if they deleted, I, I guess he needs to go do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, he ended up like setting some times in quali, but then was completely excluded from quali <laughs> on the basis of these fuel flow breaches, uh, which has been linked potentially to some of the updates to the engine, but not really confirmed yet. So it's... Just not been a good weekend for Gasly before the race even starts, has it? At this point, <laughs> no. Yeah, it's a bit unfortunate. He, um... And then for good measure, ends in retirement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That did. Did you see the onboard of his retirement of, of like the moment it happened? No, that's quite cool. It's on Reddit somewhere. If if it's not been you know hit with the copyright and taken down, but um, it's uh, like you, you hear it go, and then the engine's just like free revving, and it's amazing <laughs> how far he gets the car with essentially no drive yeah. um, and he, he sounds quite he's, he's on the radio the whole time and he actually sounds quite panicked he lets a little Whoo, go as the car goes past <laughs> him at one point which is uh, th- that tickled me a little bit it was a good drive as well which is the shame of it all it, like he was doing good with a bad situation really wasn't he fighting his way through the pack to try and close some decent points back yeah definitely he was up to was running sixth when he retired yeah, yeah. Which is from the pit lane. He's a damn good drive. Like I would honestly say, this is probably his best drive of the season so far. He's up to fifth at a couple of points. Um, yeah, it was but yeah. Ju- as you say, when... sadly, everything fell apart for him. Yeah, literally in the terms of his air drive he, shaft. He put a spicy bit of defending onto Leclerc as well as Leclerc was coming he through. Did, he did. Yeah, he weaved on him. He, I thought it was Verstappen. He weaved on him, but <laughs> it turned out it was it was it was uh, Gasly. He was one of the few that put up a defence, actually, to Leclerc, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but it was a a stoic (laughs) defence. Like, it was was one of those where he definitely gave him enough room. It was a little bit of a harsh chop across, but he made sure he had enough room to to do it and and obviously let him have the line once he'd picked his line. So I think it was fair enough. Candidate, Candidate for driver of the day, maybe. I think so, yeah. Potentially, yeah, up until that point where the car failed him. Because really, there wasn't a huge amount of that entire scenario this weekend that was his fault. You you could say missing the Weybridge was his fault, but from watching the onboard of what he sees, I'd have missed that, personally. You know, it... I think as well the team had like told him to kind of attack the pit entry because he, he was going in for like a race-style pit stop kind of thing. So. Yeah. He was coming in full chat as well. 
Yeah. So he's got a lot on his mind. He, yes. The, the thing there is, the interesting thing about this is, the lights and the boards for um for for the Weybridge, the red lights and the name boards are all on the right, but he would have been looking to the left where his garage would be. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's about to do this 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 pit stop practice essentially yeah and um he's just he's just not seeing he's literally it's it's black he's blind to it because he's looking to the left he can't see it yeah. he's looking at his garage because he wants to get this right and he don't want to kill anyone <laughs> with his car <laughs> yeah it's it's fair like i think that that's why the penalty felt as harsh as it was as well yeah it was just the perfect storm like christian horner said it's just the perfect storm of um, yeah, circumstance yeah. to cause cause the uh the, the penalty is unfortunate, yeah. but it's, again, rules is rules. Them's the rules. I suppose now we should really talk about the leaders of the field yeah. and the winners of, we... of the weekend. Do we have to? <laughs> no, let's just move on. <laughs> bit, bit bored of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it is another one-two for Mercedes. The fourth one-two successively of the season. The first time, I believe, that a team has... One, two, the first four races of a season as well. That's it correct. is indeed. It is, yeah. Considering that we still think that the, the thing is, is the Ferrari actually as bad? Is this? Do we have to admit the Ferrari is not as good as the Mercedes, or do we have to look elsewhere? I still think it's a tire thing. That like we said this in the preview, and you know we've spoke about it a little bit here. We've spoken mm. plenty about tires so far today. Hmm. Um. I do think it's a tyre thing. I think they need to get on top of it. I think Barcelona, from testing, looks like it should be a track that suits them. But then we said that about Bahrain and not the case. So who knows? Yeah, who knows? I, I, I definitely agree. Tyre seems to be the thing. I mean, Vettel said as much after the race. Like his first stint was pretty poor and it was largely due to him struggling to get the tyre switched on and struggling for grip as a result. But yeah, as you say, like Barcelona, we already know they've been fast there. Like if they... If they're not in the fight in Barcelona, when are they going to be? Do we think we're maybe in a scenario here where Ferrari have ultimate one lap pace, but Mercedes have better race pace? Is that plausible, do you think? Because that's how it looks to me coming out of this weekend. Because Mm. I I genuinely think that without the mistake that was made, Leclerc would have probably been sat on pole. He looked quick enough to get pole. And I think that he would have had to defend quite hard from the Mercedes and would have probably got jumped in like an undercut scenario um, by the Mercedes just having better race pace. But that's where it feels like this might be at the moment, which is why the Ferraris do look quick. Everyone starts getting behind them and thinking they might actually be able to do something. But then Mercedes is strong in the race. Yeah, I think that's pretty much on the money from what Mm. we've seen. It also feels a little bit like they do have one driver that is quite badly underperforming at the moment. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like you say, you say Leclerc was looking the favourite for pole position all weekend. Vettel never looked close to being on pole position, did he? No. I hate to say it about Vettel because I I have a lot of respect for him. Mm-hmm. And he's been coming under quite a lot of fire from the media lately, I think. Oh, for he's, sure. He's feeling very uncomfortable with... Um, you know, when he's in the press conferences and stuff like that, he's under pressure. He's under big pressure from his teammate. And yeah, it feels to me, I mean, look at the, you know, the, you look at his times from, from qualifying. He actually, his fastest time in, in Q1 was a little bit quicker than Leclerc, who was probably about four tenths ahead of him. Hmm. Um, but they only saw him all weekend though. 
Yeah, well, yeah, Q. I mean, Q. No, Q two. His time was quicker as well. Yeah, but isn't that because of the tire change? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that's because uh, at that point, um, Leclerc was on a hard, t- a harder tire, whereas that fastest Q two time in for Vettel would have been set on the soft tire. Yeah. He's also in a wall. <laughs> yeah, there's, which there's makes also it hard that. to go fast. <laughs> um, but yeah, in practice, three Leclerc was was um, good two tenths ahead. And in P2, he was um, three tenths ahead. So, you know, he, he definitely got dialed into the track a bit quicker. Maybe he didn't get quite as dialed into the track as what Vettel did because he obviously crashed, but still. Or, he, or maybe he got too dialed into the track because he ended up in the side of the track. <laughs> yeah, It's an experience, which, isn't it? It's just an experience. I think it is, which I think is why he needs to take away from this race much like he should have done in Bahrain. Like, yes, the result didn't go my way, but... Like he was able to stand shoulder to shoulder with the multiple world champions and be the quickest man out there at times, which yeah. is what, you know, right now, that's what he needs to take from this. And that's still a good place to be, even if he's not necessarily getting the results he deserves. I'll yeah. just point out we were supposed to be talking about Mercedes and we've somehow got onto Leclerc. <laughs> yeah, we have managed, we've meandered back to Ferrari, haven't we? Let's give Bottas some praise so that we. Yes. <laughs> because it is very much deserved. Um, Obviously, he was excellent on pole. It to me, it looked like it was a, a fight between him and Leclerc. Bottas edged it out at the end of the day. Excellent race pace. Um, some great driving early on to keep Lewis behind him, side by side through the first few corners. I think we said at the time when we were talking, you can't imagine any other team's two drivers doing that and not making at least a tiny bit of contact. Yeah, yeah. like it was like formation flying through the first three corners. Yeah. yeah. To which Hamilton has said that he thinks he was a bit too nice in that situation. I did actually read somewhere online earlier, somebody made a good point, which was that any other track, or well, not any other tracks, there's a lot of street tracks these days, but a more normal racetrack in that situation, Bottas would have been pushed out wide on the exit and probably dropped down a couple of positions. But being a street track, Hamilton can't just squeeze him off the side of the circuit and obviously had to give him that extra bit of room, but you wouldn't pull off that round the outside defence for two corners at a more normal racetrack. Nah. Yeah, that, right. that makes sense. That stands to reason. The, I think the other thing as well, though, is from Lewis's point of view, you've, he's got to think bigger picture anyway. Like Making that contact could be as fatal to his race as it could be to his Very teammates. True. And you've got to think bigger picture and like, is it worth it? And when he's on that dirtier line, it, you could see, you could see through the exits of the corners that Bottas was getting away better because yeah. of the fact that Lewis was on that dirtier line and struggling to just get that initial bite coming out of each corner, which is why I think Bottas got away because they were quite neck and neck. Um, mm. But then Bottas just kind of disappeared. Now, whether that was Lewis let it go a little bit, I couldn't say, but Bottas just ran away with it at that point, I think, personally, until towards the end, at least. Yeah, but also worth saying that last kind of seven or eight laps when Lewis was the quicker of the two, Bottas's sort of defence was very impressive. He was definitely, I think he was maybe saved by George Russell on the penultimate lap because they caught up Russell just coming into that final fast section, which meant Bottas had DRS on the penultimate lap. And I think if it wasn't for that, Hamilton might have just got alongside him. But once you've negotiated the last but one lap on that track, you're basically good. 
Yeah. Because you're not going to slipstream past an identical car on the final lap just because of where the finish line is. Yeah, Hamilton ran a little wide as well during that part, which dropped him back initially anyway. Um, Yeah, he did that two laps in a row. He ran wide there. Yeah, he surfed over the old uh, sausage curb. Yeah. Pushing a bit too hard, trying too hard to beat his teammate. Yeah. It's great, though, like having Bottas properly in the fight, at least at this stage in the championship. And the, the only thing separating them right now is his fastest lap in Australia. Like, that's all there is in the championship points right now, yeah. which is yeah, very cool. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. I love yeah. it. I already love the fastest the, the fastest lap point. Is, yeah, me is too. actually making a difference to the championship early doors. It's yeah. wicked. This is what we want. I liked um, Bottas's radio message to, to at the end of the race on the yeah. in lap with the... Uh, I think it was something along the lines of that's the championship standings back the way they should be or, or something to that effect. Yeah, anyway. that's, what that's what he said. That's exactly what he yeah. said. So that was a nice little message. But it feels like he is actually a genuine contender. It doesn't feel like he's got lucky or it doesn't feel like he's going to fade away anytime soon. It does feel like he can actually take the fight to Lewis. I think it'll be interesting to see how the battle between the two of them unfolds over the season. Yeah, definitely. Well, this is like I said, you know, we said in the preview that there weren't that many sort of tasty, spicy, inter-team battles going on. And I think now what we have here is a really, really spicy, tantalizing yep. kind of one, just, just sort of the embers are just starting to spark. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. definitely becoming, it's becoming a thing, isn't it? Um, and Hamilton did look like he didn't look happy to me at the end of the race. He he, he looked ha- yeah he looked happy on the podium, but in the interviews he looked kind of little, you know a little bit down on himself, a little bit like he beat himself up, like he felt like he'd not maybe performed as well as he could have over the weekend. Out of interest, I don't know if how much of it you will have seen or read since, but there was a point where um, Bottas made a little bit of time up on Lewis during the virtual safety car, yes. and Lewis has basically said. It's my fault because of the way that I have my delta times that I have to match to set up on the wheel. So as simply as I can put it, the way that that information is displayed to the drivers on on the wheel whilst they're under virtual safety car and things is customizable and the drivers can have it in different ways to what suits them. And Bottas and Hamilton have different ways of being fed that information for personal preference. And Lewis says he knows why he wasn't hitting the Delta times as accurately as Bottas, and that's why he feels he dropped time. So he obviously knows that this, whether yeah. it's excuses or, you know, racing driver excuses, who he knows? He says but... that, but, I mean, how different can it be? They're all working to the same times. Like yeah. This is the thing. Surely it's just a time that says plus or minus. Yeah. And that's what we have to drive theory, to. I'm yeah. fascinated <laughs> to know what the difference is. If he's honest, it was probably that he wasn't quite paying enough attention to it. That's <laughs> all there probably yeah. is to it. Maybe what he means by like a difference in the way the information displayed is that Valtteri has a bigger font size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it could be something like that, though. As much as we laugh, it could, could be like be. it's yeah. more it in focus. Well so it's, it is easier to just look at and pay attention to. Yeah. So, it could, you know, it could, it could be that it's like, because you've got options, like you could have it teeny, teeny, tiny on that screen and be looking at other things, or it yeah. could just be your main focus mm. and it'd be absolutely ginormous on that screen. Like you joke about the font size, but that's a, that's a thing. Man. Yeah. Like, it yeah. Could be that. yeah. I mean, I've seen in the past when, um, when they adjust, uh, brake balance for example some drivers as soon as they make an adjustment on the dials they get a full screen display of 
that number that they're changing. Yes. Whereas other drivers, it'll just be one small number among lots of numbers will change and they just know which value is worth, you know, yeah. applies to which. Yeah. So it could well be something that simple. Yeah. Yeah. Just a couple of other bits, I guess, worth quickly mentioning. The reason Kimi Raikkonen started from the pit lane alongside others was because of a front wing issue. It basically didn't pass a deflection test, but Alpha already knew about the issue. It was just that they couldn't get a replacement in time and had to risk being able to run it and risk any penalties that they'd face because of it, which is interesting to find out post race. Mm. That's that's a shocker, isn't it? That's mm. an absolute. I shocker. also read something that said they not only already knew about it but have known about it since China, which makes me wonder if they got away with it in China. Possibly. Like, I don't know if those kind of deflection tests are something they do on every car every weekend or whether a selection are picked to be tested. Sometimes they they let you off. If early season, they'll let them off with little things if it's not too bad. Yeah, that's true. Because the production process takes... Front wing's obviously a super, super... A much less complex part of the car this season, but still, it's it's the most important part of the car because it it determines where the air's going to flow over the rest of the car. So for them to make wholesale changes to that, for them to add weight or even change something, uh, you know, as as small as the slight change to the thickness Mm. of it is going to affect airflow and it is a long lead time on the production of that component. Yeah. So it could be that they've said, oh, you're right, we'll give you until Azerbaijan to change it. And it could be that something went wrong in the production process for the new wing and they haven't had time to correct it in time for this race. Yeah. So. Well, exactly that happened with Haas last year, didn't it? They had, it was an element of their floor or tea tray, I think. And they were told you've got until X race to fix oh, this. And yeah. they didn't. And yeah. then because it had yeah. got to that race, somebody protested them and they got they got disqualified, I think, didn't they? From, I want to say Monza. Yeah, it was, if I remember right, it was Force India as they were at the time. Yes, they protested, the protested them. And that's why... Oh, there was a lot of hoo-ha, wasn't there? Because mm, they protested them. Yeah, and then Haas were very keen on Force India losing their points when the whole administration... Yes. It was like, it, it is quite a heated battle between the two teams, I guess. So, um, mm. but yeah. Well, not so much it, this year. No, yeah, well, yeah, not this year. <laughs> but uh, that's where all that was kicking off last year. Um, and then just another penalty worth, I guess, clarifying is um, that the reason Robert Kubica had a drive-through penalty during the race was because the team put him out into the pit lane for the race start too early. I believe it was was it nine minutes too early, I think is the official. Yeah. I don't know what the time was, but yeah. just the nine simple fact, already, yeah. just the fact of it, I find really, really funny. It's, like, yeah. yeah, it's such a silly penalty to get. Yeah. yeah. He then spent a large part of that nine minutes arguing with his mechanic over what mode to be in for the start of the race. Um, and have you seen he's on board of the start of the race? I've not no. seen that, no. Actually, no. More specifically, it's Raikkonen's on board because he also started in the pit lane behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kubica got as far as turn two uh, locked up, had a wobble and had to run massively wide and Kimi drove straight past him. So it wasn't the best of starts for uh, Kubica in the first place. Williams um, as a whole had a shocking weekend, really, didn't they? They really did. Partly through their own fault, largely not through their own fault. Yeah. yeah. I worry about them. I really worry about Williams. 
I'm not I'm not actually worried about them. I think they'll be fine. I think it's they just I just wish they'd sort it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean there was there was an article that appeared um earlier that I sent you guys and I've actually heard the actual team radio now and the whole race just could be sounded just very frustrated and he was questioning decisions and having to correct his engineer a couple of times on the wrong information and stuff and just you don't hear those kind of things from other teams it just i feel there's a a Mm. massive lack of direction and leadership it almost feels like in that team Mm. it's just hard to see how how and where they're going to turn things around i agree with that they're just they're, they're just completely lost it feels like at the moment last yeah. season they felt the same and i hoped this season they'd sort of find their way out of it but no it's got worse they haven't, have they? it just seems to be yeah it does seem worse it does seem it's a lot well the times are showing it is a lot worse yeah mm. so yeah it, it makes you wonder yeah. what change needs to happen i guess to change those fortunes well, i've seen that they are hiring 40 members of staff for in the run-up to 2020 so if you're after a job, if you're an electronics <laughs> engineer um, and you want a job at Williams, um, now's the time to be submitting your CV. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they can't be that. My point is with that is they can't be that strapped for cash if they're hiring for it. That's yeah, true, yeah. I don't think money's the problem. Money, money doesn't seem to be the problem, does it? The, I think it was Chris that just a minute ago said something about like the leadership, or maybe you both said it, to mm. be honest. But yeah, it just feels like, and I, I said this during the race, I think, when we were chatting, but... I don't want to point fingers at anyone in particular because I don't think I don't want to say like the problem is the way Claire Williams leads the team because I don't necessarily think that that's it. But I think what she possibly needs to do is admit when she needs help and she's maybe too held up in the whole the family team and I've I've got to continue this legacy thing to be too proud to ask for help and. I think mm. to bring somebody in that can work alongside her and assist to bring the team back to where it really deserves to be considering its history, mm. I think that maybe that's the problem. And if they can get through that, then that might hopefully help instigate well, know, it, a positive change. It makes you wonder it makes you wonder with Paddy Lowe moving there and then leaving a game within not very long. Like was that him not? doing the job he was there to do or was that him not being given the space well, to do the job that needed doing that's it if you want an answer to that one um you should read uh, mark weber's biography and you should read adrian yes. Neary's biography as well um, neither um, particularly complimentary yeah. yeah see what they've got to read what they've got to say about williams i mean look i've, I've never been on i've never seen the inside none of us have ever seen the inside of what truly goes on in that team only the people who work there know um, and it doesn't sound like it's easy, but um, yeah, read the and they're and they're great autobiographies anyway. So go out and read them. Yeah, um, they're really interesting. I mean, one man that is on the way into that team is uh, Patrick Head, who has been there in the past and been successful with them. Yeah. So with a bit of luck, he will sort of know how to have an influence and help turn things around. Fingers, but time will tell, I guess. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, moving on to more positive things, um, driver of the day. Who are we going to go with this week for driver of the day? Well, we already mentioned oh. Gasly, who I think is worth a shout, despite the fact that he was a DNF, just because, as I say, I think this is probably his best race of the season. He really seemed to have some decent pace. Yeah. Um, I think he was 
Although his qualifying didn't count, he's definitely seemed a bit close to Verstappen than he has been previously in qualifying yeah. as well. Topped one of the sessions, didn't he, at one point? Did he? Or at least he, he was up there. He was up the pointy end of one he of the sessions. He was definitely fastest of Q1 at one point. I don't know if he finished yeah. that way, but yeah. Yeah. Um, a candidate for me is probably Kimi because to come from the pit lane and score points is always a decent performance, but to do it in yeah. the alpha is just as good because it's not necessarily the best of the midfield at the minute. To fight his way through for A point is a good showing, even if he was helped by yeah. retirement. An illegal front wing. <laughs> oh, yeah, an illegal front wing. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I can give it to Raikkonen for that reason. But um, <laughs> it's good to see the return of Valtteri Badass, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I, it's boring to pick the winner, but he was very, very good. Mm. He played it very well. For for me, it's bat- Bottas. Yeah, I think considering there was a failure of, to finish from Gasly's point of view and Kimi's parts are questionable, it probably does yeah. have to be one <laughs> Valtteri Bottas. Yes, I can go with that for sure. Okay, move of the day, gentlemen. If you saw any. One. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I did, I'm not sure I think it's move of the day, but one thing I did want to point out earlier, that it was interesting watching... Because uh, Perez got past Verstappen at the start, um, when Verstappen then got back past Perez, it was yes he had the slipstream and DRS, but it was very much an underbreaking move into turn one. Whereas when Leclerc caught Perez, he just drove past him like he was standing still, and then Leclerc caught Verstappen and also drove past him like he was standing still, which just goes to show the power deficit there still is, despite Honda bringing new. Uh, new parts and supposedly an extra 20 horsepower or whatever it was this race they're still just so far back on what Ferrari are producing right now yeah um, but I mean I, I guess Verstappen because his move on Perez actually was a move and not just driving past is maybe a contender see for me you, you kind of already touched on what I was going to suggest as my own which is Perez's start because he hung it around the outside of Verstappen into one and then they did the same thing on two and made sure like his position was known to Max. Like he didn't think, oh no, this is Max and a Red Bull. I'm just gonna give up. He put the car in position and ultimately made the move stick and was like leading ahead of him by the end of the first lap, wasn't he? So is this Perez? Yeah. 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 I think those first two t- turns from Perez for me was probably a highlight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think um, Perez had a, had a had a strong start, and he did make some nice little moves on at the start of the race. Um, before the race, Danny Ricardo was he left the drive parade, gave us a nice little <laughs> little boogie. Um, that was very good. That's some good moves. Yeah, yeah there, there were some good moves. Um, Part of me would just want to give more... it to him for that because I feel sorry for him that he's had such an awful yeah, start I mean, to the he, season. He <laughs> needs something. He needs something to cheer him up. And I think... Do you think that's it? I think that might just be the tonic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the best let him know he's, he's won the uh, move of the move of the day then, I guess. Yeah, I can go with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's Danny Ricardo's dance moves. Okay, let's go let's with do that. that. Let's do that. Let's go with it. <laughs> well done, Danny. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that to be like a I'm so sorry. Oh, no. Moving on. Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? This is actually the most active section this week for a change, isn't it? Yeah. So many things. So shortlist must include drain covers, 
um, removal vehicles and reversing maneuvers. Yeah. Anything else we want to add to that? <laughs> well, I'm reticent to give River, Ricardo's reversing maneuver to to the WTF moment when we've just given him move of the day. <laughs> um, he can't have everything. Uh, <laughs> what else have we got? What else? I mean, there was the Ferrari strategy was pretty messed up. I thought. Yeah, there was. Um, you could also say as an argument for giving it to Leclerc for sticking it in the wall when he's favourite for pole position. Mm. Yes. I mean, it, it was one of those moments that makes you go, what the Jeff quite loud. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, it was, a, it was a shocking moment. It was very eyebrow raising. Yeah. Mm. I think for me, of the first three we mentioned, as we kind of said earlier, there's we came with excuses for Ricardo's uh, reversing you can kind of understand how a drain cover issue could happen and could be missed. There's absolutely no excuse for pouring yeah. hydraulic fluid all over the car that's on the back of your truck. Yeah. But, and the potential damage it could have done to the bridge as well. Yeah. 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 It shows how strong that bridge is, to be honest, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> to destroy the, the crane on the back of the truck. But you know, he's he's lucky that they were already cancelling the session to check the uh, the manhole yes. covers. Yeah. Because that would be enough to stop a session that an impact like that into because he will give it a right old whack. Yeah. yeah. An impact like that into a bridge, like anywhere no matter where you are, if you're on a public road or you're in a purpose-built racetrack or you're in a temporary racetrack, that is enough to at least make you have to pause and someone's got to inspect that bridge to make sure it doesn't fall onto the track. Yeah, if you hit a bridge out and you're driving around the regular streets, you have to phone a special number and yeah, tell someone to come and check it. I've, I know a guy who is a bridge inspector and wow. he's on call like a lot of the time. And- <laughs> he wasn't in Azerbaijan, was he? <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> I, I, I'm happy to give it that just because it led to one of the favorite things of mine that we've ever tweeted, which is whichever one of you, I assume it's Chris because it's usually Chris, but the, yeah, the screenshot of the guy sticking his head out the window with just the caption, whoops. <laughs> that was actually Stu's work. Was I just, uh, well done, I just did the tweeting. Well, you, you, well, no, you put it on the chat. You did put it, you put the, uh, the, the, the actual image on the chat and I told you to tweet it just with just the word whoops. Well, if we're going to be very specific, it was Michael that I work with sent me that oh, really? screenshot, which I then sent to you. <laughs> so, well, in that case, well done, Michael. Credit to Michael Mensah. <laughs> <laughs> well done, everyone. <laughs> I don't think he listens. Don't know why I mentioned him. Now he will. If you tell him yeah. that he's got a mention, then maybe he yeah. will listen. One more download this week. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, should we move on to predictions? Let's. Ugh. I will let one of you two drive here. Stu's gutted, so I guess I'll do the, the driving. As as Stu's noise just uh, gave away, Stu scored zero points this week. Um, he tried to cheat, but we didn't let him get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom got two points for Bottas as the winner and our random driver Bottas as the winner. I, however, didn't have enough conviction in him and hedged my bets. Mm. Said he, I said he'd be second as a random driver and the winner, so I only no, got one point. No spine. Rightly punished for your lack of conviction. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was so happy to see him win, but a little part of me was like, Damn it! I kind of wish you'd come second just to like give me <laughs> conviction. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have. It wouldn't have made a difference either way. You'd have still only got one point. It wouldn't. But I'd have felt better about it, and you'd have got zero points. So <laughs> that is, I suppose there is that. There is that. In the uh, listener league, which is always much better than us, 
the winner this week, actually it's a tie on four points apiece this week, uh, Cy Ferguson and Bill Moyer. Um, Bill in particular uh, came so close to five out of five. His first DNF was Danny Kvyat. So he was only one off uh, on the retirements getting a second ever five out of five. So very well done to both of you. Uh, in the overall standings, uh, at the top right now is Neil Hyde on nine points, followed by Narayan Hamari on eight points, and then Max Kutens, I think that is, and Tom Monk both on at seven points. Yep. And a quick shout out to Tom Monk. He was, he was actually the only person to get Daniel Ricciardo as the first retirement from Arkansas. Yeah. No one else Good got shout. That. Uh, as for us, Tom is in equal 59th on three points. Uh, and me and you, Stu, are both on equal 87th on two points. Oh, no. Oh, goodness <sighs> me. The worst part there is me and you on two points having entered all four races. Right ahead of us is Charles Bridgman on two and a half points who's entered one race. <laughs> Devastating. <laughs> I mean, predictions League points are difficult to come by for us, guys, because we obviously we don't get the same... Uh lead time excuses excuses we we made our bed though yeah <laughs> we knew true. what we were doing it's true what we need to do is start recording on a friday <laughs> 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 quick mention of the uh fantasy league as well uh, the highest score this week was hope i don't get lazy like last year and do something here who has done something <laughs> by scoring a ridiculous 208 points for this race whoa wow that's, that's like huge. really yeah. high that's yeah, nearly half then, my season total. <laughs> right? In fact, the top seven here, in fact, the top <laughs> the top 15 all scored over 150 points, wow. which is very impressive. Uh, the overall leaderboard, uh, Striker F10 is currently leading on 667. Um, I can't even see where we are. We're that far behind. We're not doing well. I'm 51st, yeah. I believe. That's just a guess, though, from where I yeah. remember me being. I, I checked today. I'm I'm not that far behind you. I'm about three or four behind yeah, you. Yeah, you're 54th. About five points back, and you're a bit further down, Chris. <laughs> just a bit. Just a little bit further down. Yeah. <laughs> 81st for Chris. Yes. Sweet. That's it. Shall I open up this inbox box box? Open up the inbox. Crack it open. Crack it open. Okay. Um, oh, it smells a bit. <laughs> it's been closed for a while. It's been closed for a week. Did you leave something in here? <laughs> Peter Reynolds says, kind of a dull race. Uh, hangover sleep from lap 6 to 19. <laughs> Bottas, amazing. Hamilton, team player. Biggest winner, McLaren. Driver of the day, Leclerc. For what? <laughs> At least 10 better. Bottas, Norris, for example. Yeah, Leclerc getting official driver of the day was a strange choice. Oh, was it? Oh, right. I see. He says yeah, that's what he's alluding to there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is a... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's just people feeling sorry for him, isn't it? Yeah. That's what that is right there. Pity clause. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, we didn't really mention McLaren, but they were pretty good, actually. That seventh and eighth, which I feel like they could have maybe even come a bit further up. They were both chasing down Perez at the end, but couldn't quite manage it. Um, raced each other quite a bit as well, which probably didn't help. Yeah, but yeah, they look good. In fact, I think Signs was even having to go at Verstappen at one point early on in the race. The, you know that the the, uh, the McLarens are not that far behind the Red Bull at the moment. It feels like to me, certainly in on certain this situations, yeah. in certain situations, they they've got a good race car. The McLaren. It makes me feel like China is a bit of a blip. We, we were talking about it last time out, weren't we? In the preview yeah. about whether McLaren were going to struggle at certain circuits or whether it was just a bit of an off weekend or whatever it might be 
from what we saw in Baku, I'm starting to hope that it was a bit just a blip in China where, you know, one of those weekends. Let's not forget that in China, they both got taken out by a torpedo, didn't they? True. Yeah. Turn, turn, six, uh, turn six torpedo, Danny Kavir, he did not he help. absolutely smashed um, science into Norris, didn't it? Well, he hit yeah. science and then he hit Norris and then launched Norris and then Norris eventually retired and science finished outside the points. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe yeah. so. But it did lead to one of the greatest tweets in F1 history, so I don't mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, it did. No, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, we're, we're repeating content now. Let's move on yes. to this. Uh, next, Yanis uh, Hain, I think that's pronounced. Uh, do you think Gasly will be replaced in the Red Bull? If yes, who will be replacing him? There's no one to replace him, so no. no we, we won't. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, the only thing they could do is the classic switcheroo that they did between... Kavia and Verstappen, that like, and you yeah. swap them between the two teams because there isn't really anyone to. Or, or yeah, like, do we think Kvyat's done it? That, that leads begs no. the question: Has Kvyat done enough to uh, secure that coveted Red Bull drive? I would say Albon is ahead of him in the queue right now. Yeah, I'd yeah, say so definitely. as well. I'd agree with that. Um, I I don't think the Gasly situation this weekend really you could put and. Maybe not any of it is maybe that's a bit extreme, but I said already like I think he had a decent weekend in terms of his yeah, drive, and it was a good race drive until issues with the car, which again were no fault of his own. So yeah, I think he's a little early to be thinking that. Yeah, it's only round four. Come if on. any change is happening in the Red Bull family, it's going to be Tixon replacing Kvyat. You reckon? Yeah, Kvyat's very much a placeholder in that team. Oh, completely. He's not going. I don't think he's there all warmer. season. Yeah, he is. He is. Just, just need Tickton to get him, get himself some more super license points. And even he won't be. I don't think even Tickton will be in it for. I don't think he'll make the main Red Bull team. But who am I? You know, yeah. who am I to say? Like, yeah. You know, he's a better driver than I am. <laughs> Should we move on? <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Uh, Tom Austin Morgan says, What do you think Danny Rick is thinking about his move to Renault? Looks like the car can't perform to his standard. And it also added, it's got to be him or the truck driver carrying Russell's Williams for the WTF this week, surely. Yes, it was. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, you know it was now. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely some truth, I think, to uh, the car not doing what he necessarily wants to. I think it's taking him some time to get used to driving a car that's not as good as the Red Bull, mm, um, yeah. especially in terms of the braking. Um, braking seems to be... Considering braking was always like where Danny Rick was really, really good, the fact that he's now in a car that's a bit ropey on the brakes is not uh, <laughs> up to his standards at all, is it really? I'm... To sort of back that up as well, I'm sure I remember hearing a quote that came from Nico of the two of them saying that he felt the car had like gotten away from him this year, as in maybe it had taken a weird turn in development or he just wasn't feeling it. And he also wasn't comfortable with the car this year and it wasn't handling like what he's become used to at Renault, which is why he felt he was underperforming as well. So it's interesting that maybe both of them are, are potentially at least feeling the same things, which means that they can work together to develop the car into something better, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. That's that should definitely be the aim, I think, like for, oh, for, for sure. Ricardo to bring a higher expectation from a, a higher team and he can give insight into, you know, how they went A, how they'd go through a race weekend just on an operational level. 
um, yeah. which would probably be able to give him much more insight in terms of that than he would on compared to technical yeah. sort of aspects of yeah. the car. Um, but yeah, I think they need as much technical help as they can at the minute at Renault. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Thompson asks, is this season going to become an intra-team two-horse race? Hamilton is often a slow starter to the season, so fully expect him to kick on even more. But is Bottas 2.0 the real deal, and will he mount a proper championship challenge, i.e. 2016 Rosberg? Thank you, Alex, for your question. Mm. I We sort of alluded to it a bit earlier, but I think if Ferrari can't deliver the goods in Barcelona, I think, yeah, we are maybe looking at another Mercedes battle for the championship, which, I don't know, we we all I mean, kind of, we all ideally want a four or five horse race for the championship, but I do think it'll be very interesting to watch that relationship change as it becomes clear that it's between the two of them for the world championship. Yeah, yeah. that's what fascinates, that's, I was thinking about that today, that that'll be a because right now obviously it's all very cozy and it's it's quite chill and it's a bit easygoing and they're but I've, I'm really curious to see what Bottas will be like in that situation. We know what Hamilton's like in that situation. He's ruthless mm. and he's he's a cold, calculated, a real. He's just a pure driver. He's so good at it. He's so good at this sport on a psychological level. He like he can get under people's skin. He's great at this job. And the interesting for for, for me if. Uh, if Bottas is going to challenge for this title, is how his head is going to be able to cope with the monumental task of overcoming mm. um, Lewis Hamilton. It feels it feels like he is in a better place mentally though at the minute. Like oh, definitely. I feel like last year a lot of the mishaps and things that led to issues for him at the start of the season, like losing things just through bad fortune. I feel like that affected him a little bit and knocked his confidence and then he never really bounced back from it all season. But coming into that opener in Australia the way that he did, I think that combined with whatever he's been doing in the winter break means that he's in a much better place mentally now. And I still stand by what I said at the start of the season, which is Hamilton, Hamilton, Rosberg, Hamilton, Hamilton, Bottas. Yeah, the pattern is there. The pattern is there. I'm a man for patterns. I'm a programmer. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> that is a pattern that I can't help but see. Yep. I, I think him winning that first race of the year was the best possible thing for this championship because mm. if Hamilton had won the first two or three, it might have like undone all this hard work for him to get in this kind of, like you say, like just psychologically and mentally, he seems to be that much stronger this mm. year. And to come here somewhere like here where it feels like he's had a little bit of bad luck, like he should have realistically won in Azerbaijan last year if it wasn't for the puncture right at the end of the race. So I think to overcome mm. things like that and, and be like, I've, I've got what I felt like I deserved last year, it, there were words to that effect said over the weekend that it's like a redemption. A little like when Danny Rick won in Monaco the year yeah. after his issues, it was like a redemption and like this was rightfully his because of what he lost the previous year and if you believe in fate and stuff like that get your money on him winning in russia now yeah yeah <laughs> leading on from that quite nicely actually uh, david sinat says do you think ocon will get a seat next year based on the way bottas is currently driving yeah. not at mercedes yeah. not the way those two are driving <laughs> nope yeah um, um i think yeah. based on the way that lance stroll is currently driving it should be him getting his force india seat <laughs> back next year but <laughs> 
given who's running that team, I can't see that happening. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if um, I wonder if Red Bull have been knocking on the door of Esteban Ocon lately, or Helmut they... Marco at least. Maybe not Red Bull, but Toro Rosso. Like he, he could be a Toro Rosso driver, Esteban Ocon. He probably any other team. I'd agree with you, but Red Bull just seem to refuse to employ anyone that's not got some previous link to them. Like, mm. yeah. And I suppose all when their drivers look, have come through their young driver program in one way or another. And I don't or think be he, dropped and then come back. And yeah. I don't think it feels like he would fit in there personality wise. And is I don't know. I just, I can't imagine him, him there, if that makes sense. Mm. For some and of reason. course there's a link to Mercedes as well, which they don't want to nurture. Yeah. The talent that Mercedes have been bringing up, I guess. But like, I don't know. For me, like the situation Toro Rosso are in, where they've got one driver who, if we're, you know, to, well, I mean, you've got in both the Red Bull, in both of the Red Bull teams, you've got quite a one sided kind of team set up at the moment. You've got yeah. Gasly, who's like being absolutely outclassed by Verstappen, way more than he should be. Mm-hmm. And um, Kvyat has kind of come back from from wherever he's been <laughs> and Ferrari weirdly. Ferrari, yeah. yeah, weirdly. And and not really done anything in the first four races that he's been there. So uh, to me, Ocon seems like a if you want points and if you want a challenge for you know, do you if you want to score a lot, then Ocon seems like it'd be a good fit for that team. Yeah. But I guess mm. some politics are much more important than points these days. Yeah. Nick Lewis asks, um, when and where will we see the Lewis and Bottas relationship begin to deteriorate? Bottas is a clean driver, but so is Lewis. The latter can be very quick to verbally undercut another teammate. If Bottas keeps on, Lewis is going to have to be number two. Hmm. I'll tell you when Lewis will be number two. That is when Bottas is fighting a Ferrari driver for the championship and Lewis is mathematically out of it. That's the only point he will be number two driver. Yeah. Yeah. That generally speaking, that's usually the Mercedes philosophy, isn't it? I know it's not always strictly worked out like that, but they tend to be a little bit fairer in terms of, we will keep things open to both drivers until it's realistically only one driver's title. Yeah, I think it'd take a lot for Lewis to become number two within that team. That's his look. That's yeah. For me, I'm with you guys. Like, this is not going to happen. He's not. He's not. He's not going to be a number two driver. He might be equal status, and I'd probably put him Hamilton slightly ahead of equal status at the moment, to be honest. But to me, it's Lewis Hamilton's team still more than it is Valtteri Bottas's. So uh, we're not going to see that. And yeah, we've already covered kind of the. uh, the rest of that question, haven't we? Really? Yeah. If Bottas can outscore him over the next couple of races, I think we'll definitely start to see that um, break down a little yeah. bit. The, fi- the 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 thing I'd say that we haven't probably fully mentioned up to this point is that not only is Bottas fighting for a championship, he's fighting for his drive this yeah. season. So he he really really needs to be on yeah. it, and I think that's probably been the kick that he's needed to get himself mm, in so. gear and get himself off to uh, Finland and you know do all that sledging and stuff and have uh, himself a rocky the, montage, yeah, have himself a rocky montage yeah. to get himself through through the off season and come back strong. And you know let's let's hope it continues into the season. 
Brooke Archer, hi Brooke, says Signs and Norris seem to be fighting hard to be the best McLaren driver this year. Signs on six points with Norris on 12. Which driver do you think will come out on top at the end of the year and will they come together at any race? That's an interesting question. Mm. Technically, they did in China. Well, yeah, through no through fault, no of, fault their own, of their own, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. They still have. Yeah, will they come together without a third party involved? <laughs> Torpedoless contact. Um, I want to be really biased here and, and say that Norris will come out on top, but that's kind of because that's what I want to happen. I think Science will, to be honest. As as much as I like Lando Norris, I still feel like he's a very fast driver, but I don't think he's a complete driver yet. And I think over the course of a season. Signs will outdo him across like that many results, even if he's not necessarily the faster of the two. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to see Norris sort of beat Signs, just because I'm a bit of a Norris fan, and mm-hmm. also because Signs has been around for a few years now. He's been around the block. He's raced at Renault at Toro Rosso. Um, he had his eye on that Red Bull seat, but all the McLaren Honda sort of stuff pulled him away from that Red Bull seat, which absolutely has wrecked Red Bull in a way because now they're stuck yeah. with yeah. I think if they were to come together it's probably more a Norris team as well because Norris has come through all the junior program at McLaren yeah, and stuff really like it seems much more geared towards Norris to me than it does. it seems like signs ended up there almost by accident as part of a deal <laughs> yeah then again Van Dorn was also the young come through the program protege of McLaren and so was Magnussen and that didn't work out particularly well for either of them. True but I don't think Van Dorn was maybe as good as we all thought he was. He was one of those drivers who had a stellar young career yeah, but then never quite. Well I mean you could argue he didn't have the car to show what he could do but I'd say you can't ever dispute how good he was in his GP2 season because he absolutely dominated that to like the standards that everybody was in awe of Leclerc over when he was in GP2 Mm -hmm. like it was the same standard Van Dorn absolutely annihilated everyone his year in there. Allow me to rephrase that maybe the car wasn't as well suited to Van Dorn. The McLaren setup wasn't as suited to Van Dorn as what it was Alonso. I mean, we know that for a fact. Um, yeah. So that's probably one of the main reasons. But, you know, Van Dorn's not set the world on fire in um, Formula E yet either. Um, so hopefully once Mercedes gets to Formula E, he might, um, if he gets that drive, will the proof will be in the pudding there. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you've only got to look down the list of GP2 champions to say that, Success there doesn't necessarily well, translate yeah. into F one. Oh, yeah. Look at Gasly. Yeah, I still like to think Gasly has more in him, but Gasly definitely has more in him than the likes of Giorgio Pantano or <laughs> Davide Falsetti. Or oh, poor Davide! Don't be mean hey, to Davide. Hey, I like the guy, but he never never came close to an F one drive, sadly. Yeah. And he won. The, yeah, he won the F two championship, didn't he? Yeah. The G it was the GP two. Speaking of Davide. Does anyone know where he's gone? Because Johnny Herbert's been doing the co-commentary on Formula 2 the last couple of races. He works... I think he's doing stuff for Sky Italian. Yeah, I think he works specifically uh, with the Italian version. Okay. That's a shame because with the greatest respect in the world to Johnny Herbert, he's not great at the co-commentary on Formula no. 2. <laughs> he's, he, Davide's still in the very much in the paddock. You see him all the time at, in, the, uh, yeah. in the interview pen and all that kind of stuff. So he's around. I like that guy. 
Yeah, he's a cool guy. Drew Wright says the only thing that's relevant in the last two races is the Mercedes is the only team to go the first four races one two ever in F one history. That's it. Which I mean it is. He's not wrong. <laughs> Look, looks, a like lot of... looks like we're re recording a few podcast episodes, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, for all the talk behind it, that is ultimately what matters. And that's what uh Ferrari are gonna be pulling their hair out about right now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope look, all the all the updates coming for every just about every team in uh, in Spain. It's going to be a bit of a reset, you know. Um, what is relevant now may not really be relevant in two weeks' time or a week's time. No, a week and a half's time by the time you listen to this, <laughs> um, like it matters. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, I'm I'm really interested to see Barcelona. I'm interested to see if that changes the order of things and the relevance. That's my answer, yeah, kind sure. of an answer to that question. Yeah, well, it's a statement yeah. more than a question, isn't it? But <laughs> we keep looking for that race that's going to give us an idea of the running order. And if it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be Barcelona. <laughs> we said that about other races. <laughs> yes, we have every race, in fact. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, lastly, this guy going by the name of Stu Greenwood, apparently. <laughs> Who could that? Who could put that something be? in the document. <laughs> he said, <laughs> "Sum the race up in one word." Yeah. Who wants to go first for that one? <laughs> you probably should. <laughs> Maybe I should go first. Yeah. Um, one word. I would use. I've got two in mind. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> you your you question. Down, and you can't you even do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with beige. It's a good word. <laughs> you guys got one? You, uh, does anyone want vanilla? Any takers? <laughs> See, I, I think it was better than most people have been saying it was. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go for a noise rather than the word. And that is, eh. It's <laughs> eh. eh. kind of how I felt about it. Eh. Well, you're dangerously close to a meh, though, there. But it's, it's a very important distinction. There's a, there's a definite <laughs> distinction. China was a meh, Baku was a meh. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I see the distinction now. Now we've got a reference point from the previous... <laughs> what? <laughs> Tom, what's your uh, word on noise? <laughs> to sort the... Or smell or... <laughs> yeah, smell. Sensation. Mm. <laughs> Emotion. I'll just go with, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. But said in that tone. Like, okay. <laughs> okay. You know what I think? I think like the problem that this race had is that and and the problem China had as well, to a lesser degree though, is that Bahrain was absolutely one of the best races that we've had in years. A lot to live up for to. Formula mm. One, it's so much to live up to. And not only that, Baku itself, or, or Azerbaijan, the the race in Baku, it is. We've had two in a row where it's been, you know, real crazy crazy races so every it's, it's like the hype show builds up doesn't it and you expect that to continue and what i'd say to this because this race was a little bit meh, they can't all be bangers they can't all no. be like you know show-stopping amazing amazing hair-raising races like you're gonna get the odd one that's a bit okay and if we didn't have those ones it wouldn't be fun watching the ones that are bangers. There wouldn't be bangers because it'd just be the same all the time. It'd be the same craziness. A bit like Formula E is. <laughs> yeah. So I don't really mind the odd relaxing race. And it means I get to go in from work a bit earlier. So <laughs> If anybody else has single words to sum up the race they would like to send us, you can do so by finding us in the following places. Uh, there is Twitter, which is Back of the Grid F1. Facebook, 
which you just search for Back of the Grid and like the page and do it there. Uh, you can do it on Instagram, I guess, if you want. That's at Back of the Grid. And there is the website, which is backofthegrid.com, where you can register for Predictions League to submit those each week, or you can fill in the contact form to get in touch with us that way. Um, that is it for the Baku review. I will back out this more elegantly than Danny Ricardo backed out of that alleyway <laughs> by saying goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Um, what, what are we doing? Goodbye. What what are we doing next? Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What are we doing next week? Nothing. Uh, week off, mate. Week off. Yeah, week off, mate. Yeah, put your put your feet up. You're crazy. Yeah, week off. Okay. I guess it's I guess it's probably Spain preview, isn't it? Yeah. Week from oh, do we have to? Suppose. <laughs> Speaking of exciting races, Barcelona. <laughs> It might be. It could be. It could be. It could be a banger. We've had bangers in, in Barcelona before. Bangers, bangers in, in Barcelona. Barcelona. There you go. There, there's, there's the, the title. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll at least have sorted that out. Yeah. We're doing admin again. Let's go. We're doing admin. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>